journal dear dave august falsa is jack haig ever died this is episode 40 of the rebel matters podcast i actually can't believe that we're still on the road and that we're after getting as far as number 40 this week it is just me and you again i didn't have the opportunity to go and visit someone or bring someone into the rebel matters studio this week mostly because of the fact that the project that i'm working on at the minute to open the palestine community gym is after taking off this week we're in full organizational mode for that project we got the social media accounts up and running so go and follow them it's palestine gym on instagram and palestine community gym on facebook and for anyone who doesn't know the object is to raise 30,000 euros to open a volunteer-led community gym in the Ada refugee camp in Bethlehem to help the people there uh, create a bit of a, a positive space for themselves that they can go to and get a bit of sanctuary, do some training. And really, it's about helping the people in the West Bank get a little bit of independence from the occupation that they're living under and that is putting them under massive massive physical, mental and emotional stress and practical stress as well. You can find out more about that project at the GoFundMe page. It's GoFundMe forward slash GoFundMe.com forward slash West Bank Gym. You can also donate to that project there. And last week actually was just myself and yourself on the podcast as well. It was just me talking away and the feedback from last week was really, really good. So thanks a million to everyone who has shared the episode on social media. There was quite a few people who tagged me in Instagram stories, which is class. You can definitely keep that going. It gives me a massive boost to see that. And a special shout out to um, Kiva and Oisin, who are listening up in Belfast. And actually, a double shout out to Oisin because he works in Established Coffee in the Cathedral Quarter, which is a place I always go to. And I'm actually going to be there this weekend as well. So I'm looking forward to getting up there. And to uh, Elizabeth Magaletta, who is one of the patrons on the Patreon account, Gurra Milamahigat as Antakiakt Akara. Elizabeth is actually listening in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania one of probably the furthest away listeners to the Rebel Matters podcast and sent me a lovely message on the Patreon. So, Gura Ked Milamayagarakara, Ogus Tamaisastig, Wultu, Igbuint Salt, As, and Fog Krilu. A special shout out to my mate, Jerry McGrath, who is up in Dura listening to this podcast and tunes in every week. Jordy's one of my oldest friends. We basically grew up together in Belfast and we're organising the wee trip down to Cork in July where we're going to go and see Christy Moore in the marquee. But it's just class that some of my oldest friends are tuning into the podcast. It's kind of like one of the reasons why I love doing the podcast so much because it just make, builds these connections and these relationships with people. And it's class to be able to stay in touch. Me and Jordy used to work in... Well, we played for the same club, uh, Neve Paul, up on the Shaw's Road, went to school together, primary school, and then we were both in St Mary's, and we used to both work as waiters 
in Coltalambic Automofiech on the Falls Road and every Friday we would have the same shift and the shift would finish around nine o'clock or half past nine and when we were like 16, 17 we'd walk the whole way back up the Falls Road and up in the Andy Town and we could have been actually probably walking up there around 10 or 11 o'clock at night actually and sometimes we'd have a few bottles of beer with us and just sip on them on the way up the road and it just shows how much Belfast and West Belfast has changed a lot well I mean it has changed in many ways and in many other ways it's very similar but the absolute madness we used to see when we were walking up home in the early 2000s I suppose um, between people fighting and stealing cars and joyriding and all that kind of crack the place isn't I don't think the place is as mad as it used to be now and there was times when we were walking up there and we'd actually have to get into a taxi because it was even getting too dodgy for us who were kind of well used to it at that stage but um, there were definitely good times so just a big shout out to Jordy anyway thanks a million for listening mate uh, what else so um, oh yeah it's uh, it's my birthday today this is Thursday, so th- this episode's gone out on um, Friday, and it's it's my birthday today on Thursday, so it's like a wee birthday podcast, kind of like a wee birthday treat, being able to sit here and, and talk to you, and if, actually, obviously, if you're listening to this, you already know what the title of the podcast is going to be, which is more than I know at this stage. I've got kind of a loose bit of a plan that I'd like to talk about during this podcast, but I'm not sure what's going to come out. And that's kind of why I've uh, got into the habit. I did it last week, made a bit of a routine before the podcast, before I sat down to record it, to get myself into the zone as such. And I've done the same this week. The room is filled to the flipping brim with this smoke from incense, from opium smelling incense. I've got candles lit in the middle of the day and I just sat in front of the sound system that I have here in the room and blasted one of my favourite songs at the minute, which is, which is Hoodra by Gidge on Spotify through the speakers and I just sat in front of it and the room was kind of vibrating whenever it was on. So the people in the surrounding area probably heard it as well. And I sat and did a bit of meditation, did a bit of stretching because like it is kind of a really different thing to do this type of podcast compared to doing sort of an interview or a chat-based podcast, even though I do have a bit of a kind of a ritual to go through to get myself up and ready for the podcast that I do with other people. But the other element that's in there is the fact that, like, I can prepare questions and stuff in advance and I can do a bit of research on um, what the person has been, what kind of work they've been doing and stuff and what kind of questions we're going to ask and what direction we're going to go into. This one-on-one podcast that we're doing at the minute I'm, I kind of get myself into the place where I just want to feel like I'm talking directly to you as you're listening so even though I'm recording this on Thursday you're listening to it on Friday or maybe some other day you're actually just sitting here and I'm just kind of talking to you talking to the, the people who especially who have been in touch through the different social medias and who are giving me feedback from from the shows and asking questions. It's 
It's class. And one of the things I thought maybe good to talk about a little bit is uh, birthdays, I suppose. First of all, I need to say a massive thank you to Cahill McDavid, who gave me the really special gift of a, a big Rebel Matters flag the other day. It's class. So I have it hanging up in Ackley in the gym, and it's on the Rebel Matters Instagram account if you want to go and check it out. But it's basically a big red flag with the Rebel Matters logo in the middle, and it was a really lovely surprise. I also got from Cahill a book and a Wolf Tones record, the Rifles of the IRA record by the Wolf Tones, and a book which I have right here called Palaces for the People, How to Build a More Equal and United Society. So that's pretty much down my street. I'm looking forward to reading that there. And another shout-out to Batiste, who coaches with us at Ackley, who gave me a book called Primitive Rebels, which seems to be a book about starting revolutions. It's got a picture of a man with a Basque flag on the front of it, so I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that there. But one of the things that I started thinking about mm, is that, like, somebody asked me the other day was how was I feeling about becoming a year older and turning 34 today. And actually, when I think about it, I've felt way older in at previous birthdays. Like, I remember, say, like, four years ago, for example, I felt like I was about 90. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of that line that Bob Dylan has, uh, I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now. And as one of the, that's one of the lyrics that really sticks out and uh, sh- strikes me of Bob Dylan's. Um, and it's one of those lyrics that I keep, that I keep um, kind of playing the song over and over and over. It's from the song called My Back Pages. And I play that song just so I can hear that lyric in it. And I keep wondering why... Like, how how is that possible? How can you be older at a younger age? And I suppose from a personal perspective, I think that age seems to be something, age seems to be kind of a social construct for me anyway, at the minute, at this present moment in time, seems to be more of a social construct that is based around how many sort of like shackles and chains you can put on yourself to make yourself feel older with every year that passes and it does seem like something that um, that I actually discussed in the podcast episode with Dan John which is a good while back in the episodes but you'll find it and it's a definitely a good episode to listen to because Dan John is someone who I have a lot of respect for as a strength and conditioning coach and I suppose as, as as kind of a mentor to young coaches which is what he was to me whenever I was reading his books when I was around 20 years of age so for the last 14 years I've been kind of keeping up with Dan John stuff and something that we mentioned is that uh, is that thing where when young people are coming through school and coming through the education system or even when they're just growing up and becoming adults that there is this sort of expectation or drive to have certain things or achieve certain goals and to accumulate these kind of loads that over time I guess kind of can weigh you down things like having to buy a car having to fork out for car insurance which I remember the first car that I bought 
which was in 2007, before I could drive. Back then, you could just get your provisional license by going down and doing your theory test, and then you were legally allowed to drive, which, like, when I think about it now, is fucking madness. But me and my brother Carver moved to Cork in 2007 for a while. We were playing hurling from the Piercy. I bought this car for, like, three grand, and the insurance on the car was two and a half grand. And I remember I was starting a new job one day, and the car was just sitting outside, so I asked one of my friends at the time, could he show me how to drive? And we went out for a driving lesson, and I, I remember I needed to learn for, like, the next day or the day after that, because it was I needed to drive to work, and he showed me the basics, and that was me on the road. But... Like, it's, it's been two years now since I've had a car. I've been just squitting around by bike and public transport and spins and stuff. And when I think about that now, it's actually mad that how much money and effort that I spent on maintaining a car and having a car to drive around in for the last, like, whatever, 10 or 15 years. And that's probably another one of those things that is just, we're just kind of raised to believe that we need those things. Uh, other things like I suppose consumerism it is consumerism in a way we're trapped in a consumer we're trapped in a consumer consumerism sort of mindset or and we're, we're encouraged to buy stuff all the time and encouraged to accumulate debt and I suppose in many ways, we're kind of encouraged to oh, to worry about stuff, to get a job, and not necessarily a job that we like. And these are all things that I'm kind of talking from personal experience, and they're all things that over the last few years, I've r made a really conscious effort to sort of break them down or to dismantle the chains that I had accumulated for myself. Things like finding a way to be able to live without having to pay extortionate rent finding a way to be able to get around without having to pay out massive amounts of money every month, finding ways to be able to do shopping that was easy and that was affordable and sustainable, and then building an occupation that I just love doing. And I, I kind of have that in many ways now with, with Ackley. Like we've got a class crew of coaches and the team at Ackley is unreal. There's a, a really, really nice bunch of people training with us and we have built the systems that allows us to create a lovely positive change for the people that come and work with us. And we also have the opportunity to run other events like the book club, the Lone Moor long table lunches, the movie nights that we have. And I suppose primarily at the minute to have the resources and the team and the motivation to work on opening this gym in Palestine, in the West Bank, and namely in the Ada refugee camp, which is known as the most tear gas place in the whole world because of how frequently the Israeli army come into the camp and fire tear gas. They like test different types of tear gas there and train new recruits on how to fire tear gas, just like kind of arbitrarily, they just go in and use it as a, as a practice range. And to be in a position with what we have set up in Cork at the minute to be able to do something like this is, 
I suppose, very rewarding and it, it, is a, it is a privilege as well. And actually, that's something that I'd love to talk about today in more detail because I've been helping a couple of friends out in Cork recently with um, with uh, back pain, namely that a couple of my friends have come who have had sore backs and I've been helping them do a bit of rehab. And not just the physical rehab side of things, but maybe just to try and help some of my friends kind of like build a strategy that will allow them to, to cope with, with ongoing or intermittent back pain. And I put it up on the, on my Facebook page <clears throat> last week, or sorry, earlier this week, and just asked how many people in Cork were suffering with intermittent or like ongoing back pain. And that's, it's a lot of people in <clears throat> there's a lot of people who who responded and got in touch and like this is kind of what I do on a day-to-day basis with Ackley and with the members that I work with a lot of it is about helping people to build more pain-free range of motion in the face of dealing with a disability or recovery from an injury or coming back after an operation or dealing with long-term pain so I feel like I'm kind of in a nice position to be able to do something positive for people when it comes to pain and maybe more importantly I have got a really kind of long drawn out personal experience with chronic pain which I think is actually one of the things that stands to me whenever uh, people are asking me about pain and movement and stuff like that. Like my academic background is in sports science through studying sports studies for A-level in St. Mary's on the Glen Road doing a Bachelor of Science in Sports and Exercise Sciences from the University of Limerick and then a Master's in biomechanics at UL as well and also going through the uh, strength and conditioning specialist courses and uh, special population specialist courses with the NSCA so academically that's that's my background which I I guess gives me the basic tools of and the basic knowledge of how the body works coupled up with the, the experience of the last 14 odd years of 14 or 15 years of, of coaching people but I think that another thing that really helps me and me and other people who are coming with pain or who want to build a more pain-free range of motion a bigger pain-free range of motion is the fact that we can level with each other because we both understand what's going on because of the fact that I've been in that position and it's something that I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast before but Maybe this would be a good opportunity to go through it a little bit more because what if, what I'm going to do next Saturday at Ackley, I'm running a free workshop for any of my friends in Cork who want to come in and just maybe tune in for a couple of hours to the school of thought that I have about pain and back pain in particular and how we address it at Ackley and how it relates to my personal experience dealing with pain as well. And it's not to say that it's 
it's a a sense or it is I mean it is kind of quite scientific in a way but it's also based on practical experience and personal experience and it's kind of like a school of thought and, and pain is such a massive area like it's it's such a deep area to get into and I've said it to a couple of friends before but if I had if I thought I had the mental capacity to deal with the absolute black hole that would open up in doing pain research I would go and do a PhD or something in pain but it's just there are so many different factors to it so many contributors and so many reasons why it happens and so I guess so many approaches to try and get rid of it that it's kind of never ending and to be honest I don't think I would be able to, to handle mentally handle delving in that deep into such detail in in the pain at the same time it is something that I have quite a lot of experience in personally and professionally and helping people with and with and in working with other therapists and medical professionals in getting the kind of a joined up approach for people so I'm going to have this workshop anyway next week on Saturday there's a couple of spaces left actually if anybody in Cork is listening you can drop the any of the actually social media pages, an email, or get in touch through the website. And if there's space still there, then you're more than welcome to come to it. It's it's a free event, and I'm running it more on the basis to just make a positive contribution to the Cork tribe as such, to just do something positive for people who might not really know where to turn when it comes to pain, because regardless of all the different factors that contribute to pain, I think that one of the biggest, one of the biggest things and one of the most difficult things to come to terms with when you're the one who's gone through the pain is how hard we are on ourselves because of the fact that pain isn't going away. And that especially applies to people who like myself, whenever I was going through this this kind of chronic hip pain that I had for like three years between 2010 and 2013, um, is that I was trying to do everything possible to get rid of it. I was being proactive, going to see different therapists and doctors and doing rehab exercises and doing anything that I thought was going to be beneficial. That's actually how I got into meditation in the first place. I started listening to, I came across John Kapitzin and his guided pain management meditations. And it's on YouTube still, I think, actually, the one that I started listening to. If you Google or put into the YouTube search, John Kapitzin and pain management meditation, guided meditation, it should come up there. I think it's like 40 minutes or 60 minutes or something like that. I started listening to that there. But between everything that was going on, the pain just wasn't going away. Some days it would be unreal. We feel sweet on top of the moon, on top of the on top of the world, and then after doing something, or the next day, it would just feel absolutely terrible again. And the 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 pain that I had originally kind of resulted from a massive training overload. I was playing hurling for Napiercy in Cork. And the year before that, I had been in UL doing the Masters in Biomechanics. So I wasn't graded, and I was playing senior and junior 
at the same time from the PRC. And I was playing midfield on both teams at the time. And I was also doing a lot of Olympic weightlifting. And actually, remember the weekend that it happened? Actually, weirdly, it was this day in 2010. It was today. It was my birthday. I remember because I had been at a training camp in White's Hotel with some of the Irish Olympic weightlifting squad who were training up there for the weekend. And I went up to train with them because some of my good friends were, were up on that camp, Andy Murphy, uh, Carl Bird, and Eamon Flanagan, and they invited me to come up and train with them, which I did. Trained three or four times a day or something like that uh, for a few days in White's Hotel in Wexford. Did the cryotherapy, which was like a hundred, minus 110 degrees uh, chamber that you were walking around in, and it's fucking freezing. I used to go in there after the training sessions, and I remember that I would just sing or on the vein while I was walking around in the circles. But anyway, as I, when I came back that weekend, I played a match a couple of days later and um, did pull something really sh- severely in my groin area, which I thought actually it wasn't that bad, even though it was sore, but I didn't think it was going to last for three years. And that kind of started the journey of being in agony in places that I thought didn't even exist before. And doing everything possible to try and get rid of it and just going around that cycle of like feeling like I've made a little bit of progress and then falling back to being in, in agony again, not being able to sleep and having to just basically like one night I remember one night I was in so much pain when I woke up in the middle of the night just from moving around in bed that I got it into my head that a packet of minstrels would really help the situation out. But this was at like three o'clock in the morning. So I got into my car and drove around Cork for about two hours looking for a packet of minstrels. And I got them. In the end, actually did help, I'm pretty sure. If nothing else, it was like a good, something to focus on and a good achievement. When when you find a packet of minstrels at three or four o'clock in the morning, then you know that um, you've achieved something good. <laughs> but what was I saying there? Oh yeah, so the the biggest thing that was, I think at the time, looking back now, the biggest thing that was holding me back was the fact that I was so hard on myself that nothing seemed to be working. But throughout the whole thing, I always kind of had this little voice in my head that was saying, the stuff that I'm going through now is going to stand to me later on. At some stage, I'm going to use this stuff to do something positive. And I just had this like tiny little bit of faith that I was going to come through it. And I think that's a really important thing that I had at the time. Now looking back, and it wasn't just the physical pain side of things that was a factor for me. There was a massive social and emotional toll that the pain was taking. Because when I think back now, like I had moved down to Cork from Limerick and moved my whole life down, and I really had this massive motivation just to better, to become a better hurling player, to play for Napierce and to get as good as I could at hurling. And I was also working in the club at the time. I set up a training facility for them, and I was running that, which meant that I was in the club for most of every single day. And then whenever it came to the stage where I couldn't train anymore, but I was still in the club, it meant that the reason that I had moved to Cork in the first place, which was to become a better hurling player and to focus on my hurling training, 
was I could no longer do that but it was in the place that it was happening. So everybody was always asking me, you know, how's the hip? How are you getting on? When are you coming back? What are you going to be training this week? Are you going to be training next week? What are you doing for your rehab? And all this kind of stuff. And it was all quite well-intentioned, but it, after a while, it just became unbearable to talk about it because every conversation that people were having with me was about this hip pain and talking about asking the questions about treatment and... At the end of the day, I just didn't really want to talk about it. I wanted to get, to get it fixed. So there was the being hard on myself because of the um because of the fact that it wasn't getting better. Seemingly, there was the mental and emotional kind of strain of being in Cork to do something that I wasn't able to do. And when I think back now, also there was other elements that I hadn't really factored into the equation at the time. I was after moving down to Cork pretty much on my own and I didn't know that many people and I was living kind of on my own as well and I was quite isolated which meant that I was just sitting there stewing in my own like juices of pain any time when I wasn't say in the club and or doing work or something like that there and there were the best times of all those few years were whenever I was taken out of my kind of day-to-day situation, whenever people were there or I was off to visit people or I was down meeting new people or off on a break somewhere or on a bit of adventure. And actually, as it happens, it was around about the same time that I met Mick the Iron Man Murphy. And that came about because I was just sitting in the house by myself, pissed off about being having this this kind of injury and whatever and um I was reading about Mick Murphy, the Iron Man, who has I've got a bit of a recording with him if you go back on the episodes and find Mick the Iron Man Murphy. I was reading about him on the internet somehow and his story just amazed me and I was like, I have to go down and meet this guy. So like for anyone who's not familiar with him, he ran away with a circus when he was fourteen, won Ross, the Ross Moor around Ireland in nineteen fifty six eight or 56 or something like that and he was a Olympic weightlifter professional boxer he was in the circus he used to perform his circus tricks on the cold key in Cork and get money by busking and he was living just outside of Carasavine he's passed away now but it was around about that time that I went down and had great great chats with him for many hours on many occasions and that kind of came from that there so when I'm looking back now, that kind of social isolation and the lack of company was a massive factor in the continuation of that kind of cycle of pain. And that was something as well that I thought, okay, I'm going to take stock of this and couple it up with all the stuff that I already know about the human body and the stuff that I've been learning about how the body moves and the different ways of training the body to um, adapt to the training stimulus and use it someday and eventually what I ended up doing was going to Australia for six weeks I was talking to um, Satanta and Isaac were helping Satanta in particular on the phone one day and just before going into training and himself and Isaac had suffered the same type of injury which was, it, it's called osteitis pubis but it's quite a broad term and some of the treatments for it actually aren't that pleasant 
uh, I remember the first time I got an MRI up in Santry and I was in with Dr. Enafalvi up there and he came back with the scan results and he goes, right, well, there's two things. Um, first thing is it's called osteitis pubis and this is what it is. It's inflammation around the, the pubic bone or whatever. And he goes, the second thing is the treatment for it that we usually start with is an injection into the base of the penis. I nearly flipping fainted. But then he said, we're not going to do that today, which I was very glad about About anyway. But anyway, Isaacie and Tatanta had this kind of similar injury and they said, sure, why don't you come over here and do the rehab with us? And they were both at Carlton Football Club at the time. And they're like, we'll hook you up with the physios that we had and you can stay with us. And I ended up doing that. Carbra took over my duties in the Piercy for that those six weeks and I went over. And basically by going over there, it broke every routine that I had. I was sleeping somewhere different. I was eating different food, hanging out with different people in a different climate. And it just broke the sort of chains that were bending me to I guess the social structures that were keep that I see that I looking back now were keeping me in that cycle of pain, which was I guess kind of what, what broke the back of it in the end. And I came back and was kind of on the path to recovery then after that, which still took a while, but I, I had kind of been able to see what was what the solution was going to be. And I don't even think in this podcast I'm going to talk about the physical side of things, about how to go about fixing the body in a way that if it's so, if it's in pain and how to identify the the movements that might be helping to keep that pain in place because I suppose a lot of people's movements are different. There are certain things, the way that we that we live or the way that our lifestyles are with a lot of sitting down and way less active than we would have been before. Uh, way more time on computers, way more time driving, way less time relaxing and much less time doing physical activity things just for leisure or for amusement and in a kind of a playful way. There's way less of that these days, which I really think contributes to to pain. But there's there are also other things like that less connection with other people, which is a big thing that I talked about in the last podcast episode, episode 39, if you want to go back and listen to that, I think that there's something there when it comes to pain and connection with humans and having that feeling of uh, purpose and that you're doing something meaningful. And it's different for everyone. Everyone has different levels of it. Different le- Everyone has di- different levels of, uh, say, loneliness or different levels of physical trauma and then there's the the emotional trauma as well which is the big thing there's a really good a couple of good books come to mind actually there's one book called lost connections by johan harry which is a recent recent enough book and he has um a podcast with russell brand on the under the skin podcast which i would really recommend he talks about his book there and the approach and I would recommend getting the book and reading it or listening to it on audiobook. And it's it's about the way that I suppose it's kind of framed with depression in mind that but I th- I think that the same thing can be applied to pain also in many ways about how it comes about a lot of times because of connections 
that we should have, that we connections that we need to keep us healthy, that through one way or another, whether it be personal circumstances or lifestyle choices or lifestyle um, situations that we find ourselves in that break those connections and then that the problem then manifests itself as a physical pain or an emotional pain. I would really recommend reading that book because it's very clear and it's something that when you think about how disconnected we are from nature these days and how disconnected we are from the food that we eat in terms of where it comes from and how it's prepared and where we buy it from and who benefits from that, that's another broken connection. And when you think about how disconnected we are from each other in the way that we technically speaking are probably more connected now than we ever have been through social media and the internet and phones and things like that but we seem to be in a way less connected than before because the connection isn't on the human level the way it would have had to have been before there was more necessity for eye-to-eye contact and person-to-person communication without having to go through the channels of a smartphone or a computer And I suppose we've kind of lost connection with ourselves in many ways too. And I'm not saying this, I'm saying this from a personal perspective more than anything else, looking back now, that if we're doing stuff that we don't enjoy doing or we're in situations that we don't feel like we're we're being productive or doing something meaningful, that can, for me, like break the connection with myself because things just seem to get a little bit blunter or a little bit less sharp and also then if we're if we're not moving if if we're losing function in the body which is definitely what was happening to me at the time whenever I was going through this thing I was only really consciously thinking about the performance of sporting tasks in, a, in many ways back then and I wasn't less so I wasn't as engaged with developing the, the movements of the human body that we should be able to do and looking at the different ways that the body was changing in response to the kind of lifestyle necessities that we have today, like this, like sitting down and being on the computer a lot of the time, that, that change how the body works. They do, that does change how the body works. So without even talking about the physical side of things, there are connections there that I think are contributing factors to pain and certainly looking back for me now they were um they were they were definitely players and they were definitely cards on the table the other book that i think i can think of now is one called waking the tiger which i read about five or six years ago and it talks about the effect of emotional trauma and how that can often manifest itself as physical pain And that, I suppose, is definitely an area that's out of the scope of this podcast. But at the same time, it's something that I think should be sort of an avenue that we look at when we're talking about pain. It's it's outside of the scope of the thing that I'm going to do next Saturday as well, but I think it is definitely worth a mention. And when I think about the those contributing factors to pain, like there are 
physical, there's physical damage. For example, like if you have a car crash or something like that, or you have a traumatic incident where you, you have an impact on your leg or in your back, that's, that can cause physical, actual physical damage that needs to be repaired or somehow overcome. Then there's the tension that comes from the stress of being hurt or having that pain, which is a big contributing factor to perpetuating that pain cycle because if you have pain and you get stressed out and you get more tense and then you start doing things to try and get rid of it actively, that can keep the pain locked in. Actually, as an example, whenever I had my hip pain going on, I used to be flat out testing it. I'd be every single day, okay, is it still there? And I'd do some squats and I'd do some lunges and then it was still there. But I think by doing those things so frequently, it kept it in mind, it kept it in front of, front of sort of a, it kept to, to the forefront of my mind and I think that that kind of locked the pain in for a lot of times and and then so that's the the actual physical trauma there's the sh- emotional stress of it and also m- emotional trauma has to have a, a contributing factor to pain physical pain and I think that that is something the example that was used in the waking the tiger book was of whenever say deers are attacked and by larger animals of prey they absolutely leg it obviously they get this burst of adrenaline and they bolt and try and get away and if it happens that they do get away they have this sort of natural instinct to shake and what that does is it releases energy that is built up like a coil. The energy that they needed to escape from the attack is is then inside their body. And if they're if they get free and they escape the attack and they're still alive, they do this shake thing where they release that energy again. And what that does is that it, it lets the tension and the stress out. And as humans, a lot of the time we don't have that that release valve. I don't think we accumulate physical and emotional traumas whether it be small things that build up over time or big things that were kind of singular incidents and a lot of the time we don't have that that physical or emotional release and I think that's where the importance of things like exercise or some form of training come in and also the importance of having someone that you can talk to or a counsellor that, that can that can help facilitate that release of stress or the release of trauma in many ways. And actually on the exercise thing, it's interesting because it's kind of tied back to the, the Palestine Community Gym Project that we have on the go. You know, uh, sometimes people ask, like, why... Why would you open it? Like, why do people in the West Bank need a gym? Like, they're living under Israeli occupation. Like, why would they go and start lifting weights? What's like? What's the point? Have they not got bigger problems to worry about? And for me personally, I think that that's a mistake to have that attitude because, and this this happens across the board, not just in Palestine, but it happens in Ireland as well. And I suppose it's probably a product to some degree of 
consumerism and the fact that everything has been sold to us as a product and we're being commodified as people to buy those products, gym memberships and training programs and diets and all this kind of shit, training gear as well. We're being commodified left, right and centre and we're seen as consumers. And what that does then is it trivialises the importance of physical health. Because at the end of the day, and anyone who has gone from a state of not having pain to a state of having pain will understand this, or being physically able to being physically not as able will understand it as well, is that you don't appreciate the value of your health until it starts to go wrong. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, I should have been paying more attention to this or I'm after letting this build up to the degree where now I need to try and undo it. And there's a big thing that I say to people who are training with us, who are dealing with coming back from an injury and stuff like that, is there's a line, say, in the sand and say on the left-hand side of the line is all pain-free movement and all the right-hand side of the line is the pain zone. That's the stuff that when you do it, you, you get in agony. And the problem with a lot of the... the because of the fact that training and health has been commodified in such a way that the industry just wants to make everything automatic. You just go into the gym, you just go and do your thing. Here's your program, go and do it. Or um, or you're following along with a video. What happens is if, you're, if you have that pain, and it happens with, with exercise classes a lot of the time as well, that's one of the main reasons why we don't run big classes in Ackley is that if I'm telling people what to do and there's 20 people there and different people have different types of pain. A lot of the time they're training right on the line, right on that line, on the border between pain-free and, and being pain. But the problem with that is if you do anything wrong, you cross the line and anybody who's dealt with pain or who's had to kind of live with pain knows that it is very difficult to step back across the line again. You can't do something, become in pain, and then just all of a sudden say, oh, I did the wrong thing there, let me step back over the line again. If you go across the line, you could be stuck there for weeks or months or years even. And that's the problem. And it's a result of the our health being commodified and putting things on autopilot, follow this program, go into this class, or getting people to sort of go into a class where someone's just screaming at you, go on, give me more, give me 20 press-ups and all that kind of stuff. When you're talking about pain, it puts you training right on the line. And also, it, it doesn't really build on that kind of connection of person-to-person -person connection. And when you think about it, having people in pain is a massive industry, from the pharmaceuticals to the medical industry to the diagnostics and scanning industry. It's, it's huge. And... It, it shouldn't be like that, in, in, I think. And it's not just about health and exercise and training. It's not just about becoming fit or becoming like really buff looking or having a six pack so that you can go to the beach. It's more connected with having that release valve for stress and for trauma and for tension. Whether it doesn't have to be a massive trauma or a massive tension or stress, or, um, but having that release valve ongoing so that you're constantly like just letting that steam out so that it doesn't create this buildup of pressure because what happens when you have a massive buildup like that, a massive buildup of energy that doesn't have anywhere to go, it's going to have to come out somehow. And I think, as I was saying earlier, this is just a, a, a school of thought or a train of thought based on my own personal 
a practical and kind of professional experience is that that pent up energy is going to manifest itself somehow, whether that comes out as a depression or it comes out as a back pain or a hip pain or something. And in a lot of ways, there's parallels in the way that health has been trivialized and it's been broken down to the lowest form of going into some sort of a, like exercise class where you have someone screaming at you and and that kind of thing to um, being in a gym that has loads of mirrors and it's, it's quite a sort of a superficial experience where people aren't connecting with each other. Health has been boiled down like that in a very similar way, I think anyway, to the way that art and creativity have been trivialized to just be something that's like a privilege and something that's nice to look at and something that just like unemployed people do when they want to call themselves artists. And art and creativity and music have a way more important role to play than that in society. And actually they have a crucial role to play in society and our health in the same way that fit some form of physical outlet plays in our health in relation to having that sort of like a that outlet that pressure release valve and when you look at the way budgets are and the way that arts are often cut when there's been budget cuts made, made arts are always the first in line to get the chop theatres um, musicians artists and that kind of stuff often have their funding cut whenever the going gets tough, which is for me like a fucking blunder on the part of whoever is in charge of doing that because of the fact that reducing all those things is giving people less of an outlet. It's giving the artists less less mode of expression and it's giving the people who would otherwise engage with that art less chance to connect with each other, to connect with the song. Like the way that we were saying about uh, the way that I was saying at the beginning about that, having a lyric in a Bob Dylan song that I just played over and over and over and I know that that kind of song makes me think about things that eventually end up in me having maybe a more positive outlook on stuff or it makes me question things that personally I feel like I become have a better understanding of myself at the end of it and that's I suppose that's one of the functions of of art in general, and it's important not to, not to trivialize that. Hmm, where are we going to go from here? I suppose the other thing about pain is that there there are a lot of chefs in the kitchen. There's people who are selling stuff that is completely made up and it doesn't work, and when you're in pain, you're kind of like vulnerable to or you're open to any suggestions and a lot of the time I think that it's important to remember that things need to be grounded in experience and that uh, they need to be effective and need to sound legitimate and if they don't sound legitimate then it's probably not legitimate if it sounds too good to be true and it's also important to remember that there are many ways I suppose to get rid of pain, like there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, I guess, and the one that works is often the one that you believe in the most. And personally, for me, the ones that I believe in the most are the ones that I can see that make sense, that are practical, 
that I can see that other people have benefited from it. Things that are made so that they're personalized to, to accommodate my personal circumstances, they were the things that, that helped me in the end. And it is very important for me not to discredit things that, that people believe in in a negative way. And then to help people with things that I do believe in, if somebody is coming to, to ask for that kind of help. But that's uh, how long have we done? Oh, 50 odd minutes are now. So I'm going to finish up. I'm going up to Belfast at the weekend and spent to spend a bit of time Easter weekend up, up in Belfast. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be doing a radio show with my mum in Radio Falsha. We're going to pick some songs and we're going to have a little back-to-back radio show session where I'll play a song that I like and talk a little bit about it and then she's going to play a song that she likes and talk about it and it's going to be our first time doing that so I'm um, looking forward to uh, going up and doing something new like that and there let me tell you about some of the upcoming events so that you can come in and get involved if you fancy it and if you're in and around Cork so the next one is the Lone Moor Long Table Lunch which is on Sunday the 5th of May it's coinciding with the Street Feast, which is a class initiative that's being run all around the country. So you can check that out. On the 18th of May, that, sorry, that Lone Moor is going to be in Ackley on, in Bishop Street in Cork. You can find out more about it on the Ackley website. There's going to be the Song for Palestine in Cork in the Roundy on the 18th of May, which is going to be an alternative Eurovision event because of the fact that the Eurovision is being held in Israel, which is absolute madness. So we're going to have an alternative Eurovision night that night. At the same time, I'm going to be in, I'm not going to be in both places at the same time, but I'm going to be in Belfast running uh, Move for Palestine as part of Fel Naglegini Gorama with um, Fergal McGonrochty and his crew up there. We're also going to have a loan more for Palestine and hopefully a bit of a pop-up shop with some handmade goods from Palestine. Then the next thing is... We're going to have, sorry, in Ackley next week, we're going to have the book club on the 25th of April. And then we're going to have an arts and crafts night on the 26th of April in Ackley as well. The back workshop that I mentioned is on the 27th of April. And one last thing just rewind a little bit, on the 23rd of April, I'm running a free nutrition course for personal training members in Ackley, so if you want to start personal training and you're interested in that, this would be the perfect time to do it, just get in touch so that you can get a place on that four-week nutrition course, which is starting on Tuesday the 23rd of April. And I think that's it for today, I'm going to wrap up, 55 minutes, I've got a meal and for staying tuned, and I hope that that was interesting for you and that you get something from it. You can send in questions, of course, to any of the Rebel Matters social medias or get in touch through the Rebel Matters website, rebelmatters.ie. Leave a five-star rating and review for the podcast wherever you're listening to it, especially if you're listening on iTunes. And if you want to support the podcast on Patreon, you can do that, patreon.com forward slash rebel matters and my goal with the patreon is to get up to 200 euros a month so that it covers the basic costs of doing the episodes every week 
doing the episodes like this isn't that costly because I just have to pay for the subscriptions for the softwares and stuff like that there to get the podcast out and produced. But then there's the ones where I travel are a nice bit more expensive just because of the travel costs and the much longer time that it takes to go and do it. And as I said before, this podcast is kind of a version of digital busking. I'm here and I'm going to be doing it anyway, just as a busker would be playing their tunes on the street anyway. And you can listen as much as you want to because it's free. And if you feel like contributing a little bit to it, then you're more than welcome to do that on the Patreon. But if you don't want to or you can't do it at this present moment in time, then the episodes are still going to be all totally free for everyone to listen to. So, Shanae... We've got some good episodes coming up. Actually, I want to do some episodes on sexual health. I want to get an episode done on specifically on drugs and recreational drugs in Ireland. I haven't got a guest for that one yet, but I want to organize that. I want, I've got a few set up, podcast episodes set up for people in Belfast also, and I would like to go into the art and music rabbit hole again at some stage soon and I've got a couple of nice podcast episodes lined up for that also I have some people that I've been in touch with in and around Cork who are doing some amazing stuff I'm really looking forward to catching up with those people and putting those out on a podcast podcast episode for you as well if you have any suggestions about who you'd like to hear on the podcast send them in and I'll definitely look into it but for now it is an amazing day in Cork I'm looking out at the River Lee here and something that I didn't mention but I'm actually wearing a pair of kind of John Lennon penny sunglasses that I got from Miss Daisy Blue in the English market Um, I think I just put them on so I'd feel a little bit cooler doing the podcast the candles are still burning in my room and the opium incense has burned out which is probably a good sign to finish up this podcast a card rebel matters podcast Morris Grach Enjoy your weekend, be nice to each other, come back next week and spread the love around. Slang of what? <laughs>